are you afraid of, if anything? Mm. Dust mites. <laughs> Government nanorobots. <laughs> the internet. <laughs> Mainly the internet. Okay. Adam hates everything. Well, you know, my vocal warm-ups are a highly guarded secret. Oh man, he's everyone. He's taking this way, way too seriously. Um, he's really devoted to his adoring fan. There are dozens, <laughs> maybe a dozen, half, six and one half. Anyway, hi. <laughs> we'll have to edit this. Why? <laughs> it's a window into our lives i know hello everybody and welcome to adam hates everything where things are spicing up with harry potter and adam as we dive into the third movie today Ugh. before we get started we have a piece of fan mail Yay. someone finally wrote in hooray i know is it with the cease and desist? <laughs> no, I'm waiting for it. Uh, they did say they really enjoyed it. And that's it? And that's it. <laughs> um, no, they really enjoyed it and said they will now make time to go listen to the other episodes because they listened to the Harry Potter one first. Oh. Yeah. <clears throat> However, they did say that it was really hard to go through watching the movie and just hearing the cuts of all the funny things that you're saying and I'm saying. Because they don't have any context clues because I can't do it without getting a cease and desist or making the podcast mm. three hours long. Um, and so I think what we're doing this time is that we are going to take notes and then discuss them after the movie. Okay? So we've turned this into basically a educational activity for me. Uh-huh. <laughs> and... Dear reader, if it makes you feel any better, I found it hard to get through the movie as well. <laughs> so, you know, I, I get it. <laughs> so anyway, this saves us a lot of trouble. Um, yeah, so I still was editing last week's podcast and we ate a bag of chips during it. And it was the most intolerable thing to listen to. So I'm glad I don't... It's going to be easier editing for me. I know we're quarantined and we have time, but, um, you know, it's really cutting into our other lying around time. So, uh, yeah. So we're going to do it a little differently today. But you know the, that Pottermore has lots of fun things. Not just finding out which house you're part of. Pottermore has lots of things. <laughs> well, one of them is to discover your wand. Remember when Harry Potter got his wand at the wand shop and how magical it was? I'm trying to forget. Ugh. Didn't he break a bunch of shit? Yeah, because if the wands don't work with your magic, they kind of go a little haywire. Well. So it's a, you know, you're finding the right fit of something. This sounds dangerous. Are we going to break things? No. I hope not. <clears throat> okay. So... Hopefully this can translate to the podcast. I haven't done this in, um, I don't know, when was Pottermore out? I probably haven't done it in like 10, 15 years, 17 years. Anyway. Okay, ready? No. 
First of all, would you describe yourself as average height, tall, or short? I think I'm average. I would, th- I would think you're average. However, my brother thinks that we're both very short. I don't. <laughs> your brother's only like four inches taller I than know. <laughs> all right, your eyes. I don't know why this is important for your wand, but your eyes are hazel, right? I should know. You're my husband. I'm also the colorblind one, so you tell me. <laughs> I mean... Hazel's like brownish greenish, right? I, no, again, I thought I'm it asking. was like blue. Hazel? Like, yeah, I thought hazel was like color changing eyes. I think I'm more on the green spectrum, aren't I? Oh my god, this is embarrassing. No, I think you're hazel. Fine. <clears throat> was the day on which you were born an even number or an odd number? Was an even number? It was an even number. I could have done this without you. you well, aside from the eyes thing. <laughs> Do you most pride yourself on your determination, imagination, resilience, <laughs> intelligence, originality, optimism, or kindness? Let's go with optimism. Oh, come on. <laughs> I don't know. Answer honestly. Optimism. Um, I don't know. I think I'm pretty resilient. Yeah, I'd say, going through this whole thing. Mm. Traveling alone down a deserted road, you reach a crossroads. Do you continue left towards the sea, right towards the castle, or ahead towards the forest? Uh, probably ahead towards the forest because Why? that's where my cabin Oh, your isolated <laughs> cabin is? Solitary. Uh-huh. Um, do you most fear fire, darkness, Isolation, heights, or small spaces? Um, I, I don't know. That list may be fire. In a chest of magical artifacts, which would you choose? Silver dagger, ornate mirror, glittering jewel, bound scroll, golden key, dusty bottle, or black glove? Mm, better go with a silver dagger out of that list. Oh, God. What? It'd be know. handy. All right, so your wand is ebony wood with a dragon heartstring core, 12 and a half inches, and rigid flexibility, which I think rigid flexibility really describes um, you. (laughs) (laughs) Where you're like, I'm easy, until you're not. So it's rigid flexibility. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, there's there's a certain amount of non-starters in my life. But I don't know what any of this means or what I was supposed to have gained from this No, exercise. I think, I wonder if it's, you know, like those BuzzFeed quizzes that are actually just randomly generated every time. And stealing your information? Uh-huh. That could be. Yeah. All right. Well, now we know your wand. That's really exciting. I, is it? Oh, your favorites. We have all your favorites. What are yours? Well, I... that's for another time. Well, that's delightful. Oh, that's for next week. I can't show you that one. I <clears throat> I don't like that this basically comes with an activity book. It's a fun-tivity. Uh, <laughs> it's a tivity. No, <laughs> tivity. <laughs> oh, you're so cute. Um, so you actually, fun fact, you have already uh, listened to this book. Because mm-hmm. I made you listen to the audiobook as an intended um, podcast episode when we drove down here from New York. And then didn't do anything with it. And we didn't do anything with it. Like I've been Sorry. finding out that 
you've been subjecting me to things and not making an episode out of it. I know. I'm sorry. It's all a ruse. So Jim Dale has been the narrator of the Harry Potter series, and he does beautifully. Mm-hmm. Like, don't you think it was well narrated and he did the characters well? Yeah. It is weird when he does old lady voices, though. Why? I, it always, I don't know. He's a good actor. A weird place. Yeah, no, I mean, he was given it. I thought his performance was awesome. Just, I don't know. Grown men doing old lady voices has always been a weird thing for me. <clears throat> well, that's your limit, I guess. Yep. <laughs> I've always found ghost old ladies scare me. And ghost children. <laughs> Fun fact. Anyway. Well, well noted. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, so the most of the fun facts will stay until the uh, until after, in case there are any spoilers. I, do you remember? Do you remember anything about this book? If you could narrate it in one sentence. There's a werewolf, and it's not who you think it is. Uh huh. And something about a tree that beats the shit out of things. No, that was in the second book, The Whomping Willow. I mean, it's in this one too. It beat the car. Remember? Oh yeah. Yeah. So you've seen two books now. Don't roll your eyes as I ask questions. <laughs> I'm curious. Not excited about the third. I'm curious if you have a favorite character. I do not. <laughs> you hate them all? I kind of do. Why? Well, because all of the adults are awful and they're just <laughs> letting them run unsupervised all over the place. And all the kids are running around thinking that they're going to solve the world's problems. It's infuriating. I know. Well, you know, look at the kids these days. We have the one combating climate change and all those kids from Florida But she's doing a good job. She's trying to get the adults to help. So is Harry Potter. He's He's defeated Voldemort twice. But not getting (laughs) any of the adults to help. (laughs) Hey, there's a weird dude living in the back of my teacher's skull. Can you help me with that? No, I'm going to chase him down into this really creepy little, like, fire-lit hall of mirrors. <laughs> what? Why? Oh my God. Why is the tension with Hagrid? Are they hoping <laughs> they'll go kill to them? Forbidden Forest. You're you're making very good points. (laughs) You don't even like Snape because Snape is actually being like a disciplinarian. Or what about um, Filch, you know, the groundskeeper who keeps track of everyone with a cat? But they still don't do anything. Okay. Snape just sits and looks brooding. I know. I like his hair. It gets better. It seriously looks like a wig that was taken from Natalie Imbruglia. (laughs) i'm trying to pin that on the goodness scale (laughs) i don't know i am having a hard time figuring out where that's supposed to it harkens back to my formative years my teens (sighs) anyway so you don't is there a least favorite character you have not really i'm not truly that invested in them i'm just kind of hoping that hogwarts will catch fire and they'll all (laughs) go away (laughs) I mean a lot do end up dying Mm. is there anything is there anything that you think could happen in this world that would actually get you invested and excited given the major conflicts that have been set up thus far not really well 
I guess we'll just have to see. <laughs> I mean, maybe if, you know, the adults actually came through and they explained a little better what more effects all of these things could have outside of just the school year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's, so um, it's a plot point I really hate in a lot of things where the protagonist doesn't get all of the information because other characters are trying to protect them. Mm-hmm. So they're like, oh, you don't need to know that. It's too stressful. You know? I really hate that plot point. And it's not, it's used very poorly in book five and it will be, it will infuriate you, but we're not there yet. But it's used in everything. I, it is used in everything. Hagrid I'm saying is I, the walking, oh, nope, you don't gotta know about that. I'm gonna leave just enough to tantalize you into doing something stupid. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I, of course, like you understand why adults wouldn't want kids to know these things or you don't want them to worry about that. Um, but, you know, I think we could probably end most of the series at the end of book three if they just got Harry a prescription to Ritalin and then he wouldn't be like pulling on these weird threads and going oh, down God. rabbit holes. I don't think it's an ADD problem, well, sweetie. You know, if he didn't have all of these weird things to go about and like, ooh, that's strange. Hermione and Ron would just go about, Ron would be nah, they're off Griffin. playing no. with his rat and Hermione would be, I don't know, reading. They're in Gryffindor. That's part of the thing is to be courageous and do the right thing. And so it's just in their yes, but blood. I'm... And it's in yours too, Mr. Gryffindor man. According to an internet quiz. Yes. Created by the writer herself. But my favorite line, and I think that it should just kind of be applied to pretty much all the characters, came from Upload last night. It's like, oh, but is it my business though? <laughs> But yes, if we did a, if we watched a movie where people didn't put their heads in other people's businesses, it would be a boring ass movie. There wouldn't be a movie. But the thing is that characters do something. That's the whole point of stories. Yeah, but a lot of movies revolve around a character doing something that's their own damn business. <laughs> well, I think since Harry Potter, you know, is the boy who lived, he has his own special connection to Voldemort and maybe a personal responsibility to conquer him again. But didn't they just say at the end, was it the first one where like he's stuck drinking unicorn blood and that's not enough to bring him back? Right. But then he consumed Professor Quirrell and it brought him back. But stuck to the back of his head, like the whole thing was that they couldn't get, they couldn't bring him back to life without the Mm -hmm. Philosopher's Stone. Which, if Harry had never gone on his little thing of snooping, would have been safe where Dumbledore hid it. Series over. No, he, it would have been safe because Quirrell went and was getting it when Harry stopped him. No, but the only reason you remember the end of that was because the only person who could get it was someone who wanted it but didn't want to use it. Oh, so, it so would... they lured Harry. Yeah. I was asleep for that part. Aren't you supposed to be the expert on this? <laughs> no, I'm not the expert. But that was the whole thing. Like, he happened upon him just, like, getting upset that he couldn't get it. Like, it was the mirror that gives you whatever the hell you want. Yeah. Okay. But well. Series could have been over. But then it wouldn't. You don't. Clearly, he's not a writer, everybody. 
of all things. He's just a producer that says no, and that's too expensive. That's that's Adam's job background. Okay, I've what? <laughs> Not every story needs to be told. Okay, so I do. Movies. I do think that this movie, I remember because I did not like the first two Harry Potter movies and then this one came out and that's when I was like, oh, okay, these are going to actually be good because they got a new director. It's Alfonso Cuaron, who you may recognize. He's known for doing some super dark shit, like A Little Princess, which sounds like it wasn't dark, but if you remember the movie at all, it was pretty dark and sad. I think I watched it. Y tu mama también, Children of Men, Gravity, Mm -hmm. and Roma. So he's a really fucking good director, and he's done really good, very heartfelt, very touching, very, very dark and sad stories. So... Bring it on. Hopefully he polishes this turd. (laughs) Yep. That's pretty much my response to (laughs) Harry Potter and the complaint from the Audubon Society. (laughs) The Prisoner of Azkaban. You're, you know that name, and you're saying it wrong on purpose. Yeah, but I'm sure there's got to be some sort of complaint with all those owls. <laughs> you said this movie was better. It was. And you would watch it over episode two of Star Wars. I don't know if I fully committed to that. I think you did. Damn it, I knew I should have recorded you saying it. Uh, I said I probably would. <sighs> All right. Well, why don't we delve into some fun facts and weave in your thoughts and feelings about the movie while we do it? We can just call them facts. <laughs> some of them are fun. Are they? Yeah, like this one. So, <laughs> you know, uh, this is, they got a new director for the third movie. And. He wanted to get to know the actors playing Harry, Ron, and Hermione better, so he had them write an essay um, about their character, and they did it in a very true-to-character fashion. So Hermione wrote a 16-page essay, uh, or sorry, Emma Watson. Daniel Radcliffe wrote one page, and Rupert Grant just blew it off because he said it would be a very Ron thing to do, (laughs) which I have major respect for. (laughs) Well, because what... Self-respecting actor doesn't love homework and... Uh, I mean, a lot do. But I mean, like, like your college acting 101 class, yeah. like, write me six pages in the point of view of your character. Ugh. Like, Yeah. I get that there's a lot of homework to be done when you're acting, but like... Ugh. I know. That's very acting school. Director guide... Well, I mean, they were kids, so I guess it was his way of making sure they were... Yeah, they're all worth more than him. <laughs> <laughs> and I do think it, I mean, not anymore, because he's a, he, Roma and Children of Men and Ichima, like, he's a really big director. I think Radcliffe, at least, probably uh, still yeah, has him. Probably. Especially right. after that Farting Body movie. Swiss Army Man. You yeah. can call it something besides Farting Body movie. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> so with that... You commented that you thought that Neville was a different actor. Yes. And I think all of the boys in the in the movie suddenly look like they're 10 years older. It's like Walton Lost. Remember how much older he got? I, you always keep asking me, like, Lost references, and I've only seen, like, three episodes. Oh, damn. <laughs> this kid grows up really fast. Anyway, yeah. I mean, they tried to curb it because they did... 
Like, they would start shooting three days after the movie was released, the next film, to try to let them grow up. But obviously, they're all going through puberty. And Ron fills out, like, fully. Harry's halfway to adulthood. And Neville is already getting to his hot bro status, and he just needs some good orthodontic work. Yeah, I'm... Neville had major surgery. (laughs) No, he just... That's just puberty, Adam. You know, Ron was on human growth hormone. (laughs) Possibly. Like... Possibly. Um, Okay, so this movie starts at the Dursleys like all of them do. And they are my least favorite part of every book. Not only because, like, they're awful people, but it's just, it's never good. It's just like some sort of thing has to happen, and he just wishes he were at school. I think we're beyond the fact that we need to be reminded of why his home situation is awful. Like, we all know... You know, he would much rather stay at Hogwarts for Christmas. Like, that's fine. Yeah. Like, we don't need to keep revisiting that. What's funny is they cut Christmas out of this movie altogether. They cut a lot out of this movie altogether. Those seasons changed quick. Yeah, I know. And they didn't do, like, they didn't finish it with a, you know, a thousand points for Gryffindor at the last minute. While Slytherin has been working really hard. Thank God for that. Yeah. Between that and Quidditch... And they only, so there are three Quidditch games in the book, and they only had one of them just to have him fall from the Dementors. And that was a short one because he, you know, passed out in the middle of it. Thank God. Because again, I agree with you. That's not my favorite. No, I rejoiced when his broom was found to be broken. Until he got a brand new one at the end of that movie. Yeah, that was the biggest letdown of the whole film for me, honestly. (laughs) I find it, you know, like... um, this sort of Cinderella story, but it turns out that his parents are actually secretly stupid rich. Like they have a vault in his name that has an basically unlimited amount of gold. And then Sirius Black, you find out, is like old money rich. Um, he comes from a very, very long, very wealthy family of wizards. And apparently inbred crazy. <laughs> yeah. And they are and they are very much Targaryen fashion crazy. <laughs> so um but I, I do appreciate seeing the actress from Killing Eve as Aunt Petunia. Even it's, though she has one line in the first movie. I know, then... but it's fun to see her as a doddering, uh, simpering character when she's such a badass in Killing Eve. You know, showing some range. Those British actors are so well known for. Mm. Mm-hmm. But vastly underrepresented in all of cinema. <laughs> vastly. Um, so remember the night bus? Mm-hmm. So, fun fact, to make the night bus appear as if it was zipping through traffic at an extremely high speed, the scenes were filmed with the bus driving at normal speed and the rest of traffic driving at snail's pace. Classic. Yeah. But, again, you're not making the case for the fun modifier okay, on these Well, facts. the film was advanced with the camera at a slower rate than it would eventually advance on screen. When the scene was played back at normal speed, the bus appears to be driving super fast. That's kind of cool. Movie magic. Okay, so my so I do like the Dementors, and I like his treatment of the Dementors. They were uh, J.K. Rowling based them on her battle with her longtime battle with depression, which is very, you know, pretty direct symbolism with Dementors. And ring race from and, Lord of the Rings. Yeah, well, the, yeah, the symbolism goes <laughs> lots of places. Um, so this is really funny, but director Alfonso Cuaron had the idea that when the Dementors approached the Hogwarts Express, that the rain would turn to ice. 
However, due to his thick Mexican accent, the visual effects team misheard ice as eyes. And they went as far as to draft a storyboard which depicted eyes falling, falling from the sky, which they presented to a stunned Quaron who instantly corrected their mistake. <laughs> I thought you'd appreciate this because of all of the wacky ideas that uh, directors give uh, the art department and you as a line producer have to make some of this work. And you're like, he wants to make, he wants eyes to rain from the sky? I don't get that at all. Yeah. That was my favorite. It's like, oh, and our lighting designer will just light that like it's moving. I'm like, how? It's a static <laughs> object. <laughs> I can't make it appear to roll. <laughs> so yeah, that's. Uh, I thought that you liked that. Um, someone's off to kill you. Have fun at boarding school. I don't know. I don't remember that. Do you? Oh, the the. The fucking adults in this, oh. dear. Oh, God. The, yeah. This is this was Ron's dad. Like, he's like, yeah. by the way, this guy's serious. He escaped because he saw you were alive, and he's coming to kill you. Have fun at school. Yeah, here, let's put you on a train unsupervised. <laughs> uh, yeah, where you'll promptly get into a car with an unknown sleeping man. Yeah, like and they, proceed to talk secrets because you think he's asleep and can't hear you. That's so dumb. And yeah, you can't tell if Lupin's good or bad for a lot of the movie. Did you like the, the Lupin character? I mean, I like the actor. Yeah. Who is that? I don't know. He's oh. in other things. He's you also just like the cut of his jib. Well, yeah. I mean, he's always like kind of a supporting role in a lot of films. Mm -hmm. He featured prominently in Ridley Scott's Kingdom of Heaven. <laughs> wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's great. He, I think what, what, well, Quaron focused more on like the emotional journey of the characters. And so for me, I actually did start to give a shit about, you know, Hermione and Ron and maybe Harry. Like you do get to see he finally has a father figure and, and stuff like that, like in a little bit more real way. See, it didn't just land with me and maybe that's, you know, the well of emotions that the British Isles are known to be. <laughs> it was a little I too still deep. found myself even exploring their deeper emotions. I didn't give much of a shit because <laughs> they they had I'm I'm laughing now and I'm scared now and again not consulting the adults. I think the thing that you are probably most incensed by is how she came up with spell names. Oh my god. Like ridiculous and arresto momentum <laughs> it's like someone <laughs> never having studied latin just guessing some things yeah and i know they are derived from latin like to be fair she is taking them from latin and greek but but it doesn't sound very magical yeah yeah it's a little indelicate but she had to come up with a lot so maybe she just got sick of it yeah but like latin is always like you know, the kid from high school that you wanted to slap every time. Actually, it's pronounced this way because from the Latin, like, you know, gives me the whole backstory of every word. So yeah. I felt like this was like, could have picked Spanish or something. Yeah. Yeah. So that, um, it kind of bugs me too. Also the, uh, while they didn't have the like, hey, your love can defeat D Voldemort. It was like, Harry, you're special because the boggart shows you what you fear the most is fear itself <laughs> stuff. That's just like a little lame. Like he's an everyman 
that's like a special every man. And that I think is annoying to you. That very much is annoying to me. It's like, it's someone, you know, going out and achieving greatness and having all of this stuff thrust upon them through their complete and utter abject, like apathy for everything on there. Like he doesn't work hard. Like he doesn't try to be good. Like he just bumbles around into these nonsense situations and everyone's like oh he's harry potter his parents were awesome yeah it's like the jared kushner of the magic world oh that is that's you could get we could get hate mail for that he he's not but i i think he is a talented wizard and they don't you don't necessarily see it like you'd see more that hermione is clearly the smartest wizard Mm mm-hmm and works very, very hard. And there's there's no questioning that. But you don't necessarily see at this point that not Harry is actually a talented wizard. Yeah, but I don't know. Succeeding on just like raw, unfocused talent is one of the most obnoxious things that I think can yeah. be in any human undertaking. Yeah, like, you I know, know. As insufferable as I find Hermione to be, Bitch is working hard yeah. at it. Well, like, look at this. The the classic picture of what being a woman in society really looks like is that she's just, she's put in the same, uh, on the same footing as Ron and Harry in terms of talented wizards, but she worked a thousand times harder to be there. So commentary from J.K. Rowling, I bet. I bet that's not a mistake at all. I, you, okay. You're being generous. <laughs> Um, so we'll get back to some more fun facts. With ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> Did you notice that, um, they were wearing less uniforms? Because they all kept going to Hogsmeade and leaving Harry alone. <laughs> so mean. Or so mean of them to do that. But I guess, you know, also I wouldn't want, if I couldn't go, I wouldn't want to force my friends to not go because I couldn't. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, I mean, they were also, like, a half step up from tracksuits. Like, I really think that uniforms would have been a step up for the look of most of them. Well, the reason is because Quaron wanted the characters to show more personality, and even the extras were told them to wear them how they like. So you just see a little bit more looseness with the uniforms, which I appreciate. Oh, I have to talk about probably my least favorite part, which is when the and the beginning of Hogwarts, when they sing Double Double Toil and Trouble with their choir, and the front is holding the toads, which are the bass singers and they have one note yeah that bugged me but i don't know unnecessary like he handled he just handles all of those like cute little wizard moments better than i think uh chris columbus did so they're just like placed there kind of off the cuff a little bit more so you really just feel like you're immersed in the world rather than yeah yeah but it was a big pile of foreshadowing that never really paid off Mm. Like, I think it was just a cute witch song that like something wicked this way comes like <laughs> serious black. I'm like, Oh, this shit's going to get over. Like, <laughs> but it never really materializes. Yeah. Oh, there's something I've been meaning to talk about on the podcast. Um, I think the problem with Harry Potter in terms of like being a true character is kind of the Dorothy complex. Like, you know how Dorothy and wizard of Oz, there's not much going on with her as a character. But she's surrounded by very, very interesting people who go on this journey with her and she just sits back and watches. So I think that's like a little bit of Harry. And it can be infuriating when we're supposed to care about him for eight books, but you don't really see his personality. 
Yeah, I just don't care about Harry. You will, though. I'm just going to say buckle up because in book four, they really start dealing with, um, you know, crushes and adolescent dating. Oh, and yes. And that's going to make me care yep. so much. You're going to it's going to be very exciting because, um, you know, what this really was missing was a healthier dose of teenage angst. Well, Ron and Hermione are already starting. This wasn't in the books at all, but he laid it on thick for the movie. The director did. That you start to see Ron and Hermione's flirtation happen. But like remember when Harry was the biggest third wheel? Yeah. <laughs> Awkward, like Yeah, I just saw I guess. You know, I'll they're just... hugging and you're gonna come up behind Hermione. Yeah. Like, oh, that's that's <laughs> hey, weird. Dude. Is this a thing? I caught a vibe. <laughs> um okay, so then they did cut out some important details like who Mooney, Wormtail, Padfoot, and Prongs were, the creators of the Marauders map. Like, you actually learned that that's Lupin, Peter Pettigrew, Sirius Black, and Harry Potter. Or, not Harry Potter, his dad. What's his name? Jack? Henry? Henry. I can't I remember. <laughs> I feel so bad. But. Je- uh, I mean, James. I James Potter. I, I think for the sake of saving 20 minutes of all of our collective lives, it actually works. Because, like, it's a complete plot device who cares who created it i don't need to know the history of it right no but it also explained that okay so lupin was a werewolf and then his best friends decided to teach themselves to be animagus to transfer into animals so that when he does become a werewolf he would have other animal friends he could play with and animagus is a really really complex spell and they all learned it because they were super talented wizards but you don't learn that does it have any bearing on the movie? Um, I don't know. I think it just solidifies like that Lupin and Black were best friends with his dad. Yeah. I don't know. I think most of these stories would be more impactful if they just cut to the meat of it. They made them 45 minutes. It was yeah, you know, like I, an hour-long show. We could watch all of this like a season of Billions oh my God. and move on. <sighs> Spoken. <laughs> Spoken like a true cruise ship entertainment producer that he wants it to be cut down to 45 minutes. Hey, attention spans are slim these days. Oh, my God. Well, um, so I loved Alan Rickman when he, remember when he assigned the werewolf essay? Mm-hmm. Two scrolls worth, especially on recognizing it. I just love Alan Rickman how he's dealt with this character because all Snape wants to be is the defense against the dark arts teacher. And they keep hiring idiot after idiot. Like Quirrell had fucking Voldemort in the back of his head. And then who was the second one? Oh, guild the fake one. And now they've hired a fucking werewolf. I'd be pissed too. He is, he's a very complicated character that has, that has ego and his own internal issues and isn't just playing a role as like a mean teacher. And maybe you don't quite understand all of it yet, but you will. Um, and I just think Alan Rickman did a really good job in that scene. Yeah. I mean, this is one of the things that really like pisses me off in the world building of this. Because, like, okay, so it's a fantastical universe, but it exists in the same plane as ours. Which yeah. means things like background checks for tenure track professors <laughs> no but here that's like oh no that's a muggle thing but yet we have a long trail of people in defense against the dark arts like hmm, but also the most shifty sounding class you can imagine let's pull in any asshole <laughs> that wanders up off the streets and wonder why they try to all kill the children <laughs> but Dumble, it's dumbledore who has a soft spot for people that they know like really just are trying and are good at heart and then they fuck up every time. But like 
Come on, Dumbledore. But the last guy was not e- was neither trying nor good at heart. Oh, Gilderoy Lockhart? Yeah. yeah. He was just like a full-on, you know, con man. I think that was more the PR, a PR move, possibly. I don't know. It worked out well because, you know, the one thing that I have noticed about this is Hogwarts's many press releases. And, you know, being the premiere and as this universe would have us believe only school for witchcraft and wizarding, obviously the recruitment, it's it's a main focus. <laughs> um, <laughs> Pettigrew, Black... Pettigrew, Black, and Lupin, when they're fighting in the Shrieking Shack, it's basically like the Beatles after Lennon died. That's what it was. Mm -hmm. I still maintain that Lupin is Paul McCartney. No, no. It is 100% Pettigrew who's like the forgotten... Oh, you didn't say Paul McCartney. You said he was Ringo. No, I said that uh, Pettigrew was... I said Pettigrew was Ringo. Mm -mm. Yes. No, you said he was George. No, I said Pettigrew was Ringo because he'd come with a song and they'd be like, good job, we'll just put it on the fridge here. Like, that was Pettigrew for sure. And then I couldn't... And then I would I would say that Black was... Uh, was um, McCartney and Lupin would be Harrison. <laughs> Why can't I remember the Beatles' names? No, but, I mean, I pick Lupin as McCartney because he's outwardly holding it together, but has a dark secret. Ah, uh, gotcha. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> he was the most, like, objectively successful after the fall. <laughs> but, you know, he's got some, he's got some things. Uh, are you excited for the fourth book? No. No, I'm not. It was one of my favorites for a while. Would it make you excited to know that there is a tournament? It's fucking Quidditch. It's not Quidditch. There's a tournament. Also, we get to meet schools from other countries. Excited about that? Hooray. Uh, One of the students will actually die. Still not all that interested. (laughs) Why did I marry you? I don't know. (laughs) Adam hates everything. You're looking at me for a solid closing, and I don't know. I know. Say a line, damn it.